Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hello, welcome back to episode number 38 of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. Today I'm joined by my friend Laurence Anez, who is a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach, also specialising in PCOS. She's passionate about teaching women with PCOS how to ditch the belly fat, cystic acne, irregular cycles and victim mindset by showing them how to nourish their bodies and find true body love and self-healing. She does this through guided nutritional coaching, personalised and sustainable diet and lifestyle recommendations and mindfulness. She believes that the key to a healthy life is sustainable changes that feel good and is different to each person. She herself suffered from chronic cystic acne, digestive problems, adrenal fatigue, thyroid dysfunction and disordered eating and she managed to reverse her PCOS symptoms through nutrition, lifestyle and mindset work. It was through her own healing journey that bred her passion to helping others heal as well. Today she coaches women all over the world through her coaching programs. So I love Laurence's approach and we have quite a similar story. We've collaborated a few times, I was on her podcast so I'll link that in the episode show notes as well talking all about the gut PCOS connection but Laurence is very focused on mindset, personal development side of things as well and avoiding restriction because We've both been there restricting our diets. Hers was for PCOS, mine was more towards gut issues, but I can definitely understand how negative it can be and how much of a vicious cycle you can end up in. So in this episode, we discussed nutrition and PCOS, whether we have to give up sugar, gluten and dairy forever, or how they potentially can impact our hormonal health, how we balance having to eat for a health issue, so whether that's being on a restrictive protocol for digestive issues or you have multiple food sensitivities and not letting that drive us crazy and finding balance with that too. How to talk to our friends and family who may not understand or who aren't supportive of your health choices and what you're going through. Mindful eating, under eating and food fears and how we prevent falling into that mindset or how we can get ourselves out if that's the case as well. We talk a bit about binge eating and eating disorders and how to cope with the physical symptoms of PCOS mentally. So hair loss, acne, weight issues, it can have a massive impact on mental health and there is a higher increased rate of depression and anxiety and some of these disordered eating conditions with women with PCOS. And finally, her approach to nutrition and lifestyle, what she asks her clients to focus on when they have PCOS. So I'm really excited for you to hear this episode with Laurence. So let's get straight into it. Hi, Laurence. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. Me too. I'm excited that we can collaborate again. I know that we've done, I've been on your podcast talking about the gut PCOS connection. We've done an Instagram live together 
we're planning on another one so yeah i'm happy to connect mm-hmm. with other women and other practitioners who are just as interested in pcos as i am so why don't you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and your health journey yeah so i'll try to keep it as short as possible <laughs> yeah I haven't, I haven't heard this one <laughs> i haven't heard yours yet so take as long as you want all right so Basically, um, I've always had bad skin when I was in high school. I, you know, had a lot of acne and that was like my main concern. I did have a late menstrual cycle, but that never really, really gave me a red flag or anything. Um, I was kind of thrilled about it because I was like, oh, yay, like I don't have to deal with this. And whenever it showed up, you know, like you just hate it, especially when you don't really understand it. So those were kind of things that came up for me, and I ne- but I never really like looked into it more. I was just kind of, you know, like pissed off about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then um, I believe that everybody kind of does have a trigger for PCOS. Mine was definitely emotional kind of trauma slash stress. And that happened around age 19 where everything just kind of like exploded and my acne just became so much worse. Cystic acne um, developed, you know, adrenal fatigue, um, thyroid imbalances. So I do have Hashimoto's that's reversed but things just kind of got worse with that. Um, I had, you know, gut dysfunction, leaky gut, candidal overgrowth, um, anxiety, depression, all of that just came up for me at once. And um, yeah, it was a very frustrating time, especially when you're like going through your early 20s. You know, you want to like take advantage of everything, like go out, have fun, go to parties, etc. There's a lot of social stuff going on. But for me, I found that I was retreating a lot and I just couldn't go to things like sleepovers and things like that because I was so scared of taking off makeup and things like that and just showing like my real self, I guess. Um, And so, yeah, there was a lot of things that I couldn't really do because of that anxiety and fear around that and just my symptoms. And it would just be like going to work and trying to cover up my acne but it was just so painful I would just want to pick at it all day but you can't and then I would come home and just want to take it off and just lay in bed I didn't want to like go out and socialize right so anybody who does suffer from cystic acne 100% knows what I mean Um, it's very debilitating not just physically but um, it's more the emotional aspect of it that's really difficult so that was kind of my cue that something is up so I started to see doctors and dermatologists specifically for the acne because that was my biggest concern nothing really else was like huge thing for me at that time um and I was kind of just putting it under the rug but nobody really had a response to me they're like you're healthy I don't understand like just maybe wash your face more things like that like stupid answers you know (laughs) and like shaking my head (laughs) when you're using so many products and, you know, cleaning your face like so many times a day and it's just not working and it just was really frustrating. So the first time I started PCOS come up, I was kind of brushing it off because there was so much negativity around it. I didn't want it to be for real. Um, And then I saw a gynecologist and she finally diagnosed me with the ultrasound and the androgens. And I was also having kind of wonky cycles like on and off and yeah, it was just not like optimal. Um, And then I started to kind of want to go into the nutrition and holistic aspect of it because I was just not finding any answers and it was really frustrating and people didn't really know what to do. And they were kind of giving me like Accutane or birth control pill. And I was on the birth control at this point for a few years, Um, but things were just getting worse. So then I finally went to see 
a naturopathic doctor and started to get into the nutrition side of things. And she got me off the birth control right away. We started working on my gut. Um, I was dealing with things, like I said, like candida, which I would basically bloat like a pregnant lady every time I ate. It was super uncomfortable. And so I was so excited because I was like, oh my God, candida is going to be like the answer to all of this. Like my skin's going to be perfect. And so I got rid of the candida. And then like, obviously my digestion was so much better, but my skin was still like off and I wasn't really seeing the results I wanted and it was just so frustrating because every time I was like okay let's find this product or this product looks amazing or maybe it's this or that and so every time I would kind of target that and I would be like okay this is going to be the solution and then it would never really give me the results that I wanted so I was kind of going after the quick fixes even though I was kind of trying to diagnose myself with little things all over the place (laughs) Um, but as you know that doesn't work Mm -hmm. so After that, I decided to kind of dig into the research myself and really look into like, what is this nutrition thing and holistic approaches? Because I never thought I was really unhealthy. But when I did kind of do more research, I realized, oh, yeah, my diet isn't that healthy. Like it was kind of like cereal with milk and orange juice for breakfast and then like a sandwich, um, maybe with a vegetable for lunch. And then dinner would usually be like veggies with like a meat and, you know, like potatoes, things like that. Um, But when I did kind of look at the overall picture, definitely was not healthy for me. Um, And so I kind of dug into that. I decided um, that I wanted to go into nutrition, but then I became so obsessed with the dieting around PCOS, specifically how it's so, a lot of people talk about like, you have to eliminate this and that, and this is not good. And you need to be on this diet. And I started to kind of read into that and kind of absorb all the information all over the place. And that just um, prompted me into disordered eating patterns. So I started to do like restricting and binging and it was kind of like an orthorexia pattern going on. And I started to isolate myself from social outings. So if people are going to a restaurant, I couldn't really go out. And then obviously that plays an impact, even if you're not aware of it on a psychological level, because you're literally stuck at home like meal prepping when everyone else is having fun and that was not a fun time. And this was when I was living in Paris. So even worse, right? You want to be able to like take advantage of it all, but you're not. And this was when I was having really bad um, digestive problems, like trying to heal leaky gut. So I knew that I really had to restrict more, which we'll talk a little bit about later. But um, yeah, so me, it just, it kind of put me down that route of disordered eating. So I went to nutrition school. It kind of kept going. Um, until I finally realized that food wasn't the answer to all of it, that there was a lot more to it. And that's where I started to have breakthroughs when I started to, you know, reach out for help, look at how my mind was impacting my health, how I was like in this toxicity circle. And that's when I really started to realize, okay, there's definitely more than just the food. We can't just talk about like, go on this diet and you'll be fine. Or like take this pill or whatever it is. So that's when I started to connect the nutrition with the lifestyle, with the mindset And that's why I really just started to see results with my PCOS and started to get rid of the cystic acne, started to regulate my period, et cetera, with the help of other factors as well. Obviously, there are certain imbalances that were going on. But for me, honestly, as I mentioned, the trigger was emotional and stress. And it only made sense that a big part of my healing would be to focus on the emotional aspect and the stress part of it. So that's where I started to get really interested in helping others overcome this. And now I am a 
holistic nutritionist and health coach specializing in PCOS because I saw such a demand and this misinformation and this just vicious cycle of like reading stuff on Google and then trying it yourself and then these quick fixes that don't work and it's just getting worse and worse and it was just so frustrating and doctors not knowing what to do, just taking a pill. And yeah, that's why it really inspired me to kind of do same sort of thing that you do to help women kind of understand what's really going on and how to approach it with a long-term healing because as we both know there's no cure but you can reverse symptoms if you address what's really going on so that's my story in a nutshell amazing i didn't know like half of that so i'm really glad that you covered that today um i feel like i know you a little bit better which is good and i feel like some of the things that you've been through obviously you know a bit about my story we have similar things going on and I definitely tended towards the orthorexic point at some point but mine wasn't for my PCOS well it was for my skin but my gut health was like number one because again I was reacting to other things because of SIBO so small intestine bacterial overgrowth when I'd eat something I was bloated so then I became scared of foods so yeah I've definitely been there and I agree and I want to shed some light on that today and give hope for other people who may be stuck in that vicious cycle at the moment because we do know how important nutrition is for hormone imbalances and PCOS in particular and there are certain things that um, can make it worse can make it better but how important is diet and nutrition you mentioned it's not everything but do we just need to like um, throw it all out the window and not really care what we eat and just focus on the mindset and the stress management or do we still have to pay attention to nutrition and diet as well so you know the answer to this it's 100 <laughs> everything <laughs> let is, the people know <laughs> just as important like you need to it's kind of like a rain barrel effect right like if you keep adding the crap on the crap on the crap it's gonna overflow if you keep adding the like the good stuff and the health then that's going to build you up too. So nutrition is really one of the foundational pieces. That's um, kind of like the foundation that I use with my clients, nutrition plus lifestyle plus the mindset. Um, it's information for our cells. It makes our hormones, neurotransmitters, tissues, etc. cetera. Um, it's really kind of makes you up as a person really. And um, it's, if you think about it, how do certain foods make you feel? It's kind of a good indicator of like, how your body is responding to it, right? It's not like it's just going through you and it's not impacting anything in your body. Um, when you think about it, we really have no idea what happens when we are ingesting a food, like the processes that go on and how it's actually like being integrated into yourself. Um, but it does make a huge difference and it is something I think that everybody knows it makes a difference. Um, but it's just kind of understanding how it does make an impact for your health, not just right now, but, you know, helping reverse symptoms and then long-term. And the research is out there, of course, uh, specifically with PCOS, it's more something that we do need to pay a bit more attention to, unfortunately, because it is so sensitive to environmental factors, especially with the epigenetics, right? Because there are genetics, com genetic components to PCOS, but there are a lot of environmental factors um, that can switch on and off the genes. So if we're not eating properly, if we're not sleeping, if we're not managing our stress, if we're, you know, not doing things that we love, if we're kind of, you know, in a relationship that's toxic or things like that, then these all add up and they can make our PCOS worse. So food is definitely something that we can't just ignore at all, um, but it's one of the foundational pieces with the other things that I was talking about. I agree. And what, are the main factors that people should be focusing on with diet so we hear all the time like 
remove this, remove that, restrict this. But what are the things that people should focus more on? So with diet specifically, a lot of people say like, oh, you need to do keto or you need to do paleo or you need to do vegan or whatever. And honestly, the only diet that I recommend across the board, which I know you do the same, is the real food diet because that's the only one that I know will work for you. But when it comes to like how many macros are like if you're eating more plant-based or whatever, um, it's going to be really specific to you. And the other thing to really remember is that we're all different, um, even at different stages of our life. So for instance, now I might feel like, oh, I kind of want to go like more plant-based now, or then maybe next year I need more animal protein or things like that, or higher carb if I'm kind of exercising more, or if there are different things going on in your life, if you're under a lot of stress, if you're exercising more, if you are at different stages of your life in your cycle, etc. It really does change. It's not just kind of like black and white, like I'm like going to eat like this for the rest of my life. And then there are things that you may tolerate right now, but you might not tolerate later. So it's going to be really specific to each person. That's why I don't like give diets out or say like you need to follow this specifically. The only thing I say is um, focus on whole foods and anti-inflammatory foods. There are certain foods that have been shown to be problematic in PCOS and hormonal imbalances specifically. And then the obvious ones that everybody should avoid. So things like processed foods, you know, packaged foods, junk food, um, conventional meats, um, hydrogenated oils, refined carbs, refined sugars. Those are all things that we should avoid at all costs if we have PCOS or not. But then common ones that we usually talk about are things like sugar. So um, sugar can be problematic because it's going to spike blood sugar and insulin. So that's going to be worsening insulin resistance, common factor in PCOS. Um, it's inflammatory can promote weight gain and micronutrient deficiencies as well, uh, hormonal imbalances. It's also taxing to the adrenal glands, so it can worsen energy crashes, especially for kind of reaching for the sugary stuff at those times of day, like the 4 p.m. crash. Um, it's just going to make things worse, even though temporarily it might give you that jolt of energy, but it's just going to create that crash in the long term and then just worsen things. So when I talk about sugar, I'm talking about the refined stuff, um, the added sugars that we don't really need and that we're just kind of uh, relying on because we are so depleted and we are so stressed out. Um, but when it comes to natural sugars like fruit or starches, things like that, um, that's not what I'm talking about. Those are tolerated by the body. So I'm not saying that we should, you know, eliminate all sugars from the from the diet but when we're talking about sugar we're looking at more of the added sugars and the refined ones those are going to be problematic uh, gluten is another one that comes up a lot so there are specific um, com compounds in gluten that can be problematic like gliadin amylopectin a they can spike blood sugar um, they've also been shown to be inflammatory in the intestines regardless if you are sensitive or celiac so that's something to take into account because of the zonulin that can inactivate the tight junctions and then produce inflammation in that autoimmune response uh, can also increase leptin resistance insulin resistance which is a big factor in pcos um, can also you know worsen hormonal imbalances make you hungry all the time gain weight um, and then it's also interesting because it's been shown that about 10 to 30% of the U.S. population has gluten sensitivity, but they are unaware of it. So most of us don't know about it, and we think that we 
can just eat all the gluten we want because we're not, you know, having diarrhea right away or things like that. Um, but it can be a delayed reaction. As you know, um, food sensitivities can be delayed. Um, so it can show up like the next day or the next few days as like joint pain or acne or brain fog or things like that. Um, and then it's also interesting because gluten has, and like the grains have changed since, um, you know, the processing of our food, et cetera, and spraying of pesticides and glyphosate. So that can also be another factor why gluten is becoming so problematic and the state of our digestive system as well. We're not really able to tolerate it as well. Um, a lot of people find that when they go to Europe, they can eat gluten, but not in North America. I think that's also, again, due to the amount of gluten that is in the different grains and the processing, the spraying of the pesticides, et cetera. So that plays a big role as well. But a lot of people find that when they do eliminate gluten specifically for, you know, healing leaky gut, healing the gut, um, they find that can be really helpful. And then dairy is another one that's very common as well, especially when it comes to hormones. It can be problematic. Um, it has insulin growth factor, so that is going to stimulate and spike insulin. It can cause the ovaries to release more testosterone, so that's a common factor in PCOS and inhibiting ovulation. You're also getting these artificial growth hormones and external hormones um, that can throw off, you know, estrogen progesterone ratios, can deplete your mineral stores like magnesium. Um, there's so many different um, factors in there as well, like the casomorphines in milk are actually um, can, they've been shown to be addictive. So that's why a lot of us are like, no, I can't get rid of the cheese. Like, don't make me do it. Um, and it can also trigger inflammation too. So that can be problematic, especially when we're looking at the quality of it. Because a lot of us, I don't really know anybody who drinks raw um, dairy or, you know, any of those kind of better quality dairy products. It's more of the conventional products that are filled with the growth hormones and the antibiotics and all of that. And especially in the amounts that we're consuming it, that can be very problematic too. So a lot of women taking dairy out of their diet see a huge improvement with hormonal imbalances, et cetera, and digestion. So you may be able to tolerate it, but I usually recommend if you can, always quality above all, so organic, grass-fed, all of that. Um, goat's milk is also something that a lot of people can tolerate because it doesn't have the same kind of proteins in it, so it can be a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it can be problematic for sure with hormonal imbalances. So those are just some common ones that usually people talk about. Um, I'm not saying everybody has to eliminate them, but they are definitely something to look into because they can worsen PCOS. Yeah, I agree with all of those. And with the dairy one, it's not a sensitivity for everyone, but in the, the initial stages of trying to figure out your sensitivities and see if you do tolerate it or not, I think it is important to eliminate it for at least 30 days because again like you say you may not be having stomach aches or diarrhea immediately after having a glass of milk but it could be a delayed reaction and you don't really know until you've done a period of time without it allergy tests and things are available but I don't find them to be highly accurate a lot of the time but it I don't know about you it drives me insane and there's particular nutritionists or dietitians on Instagram I've had to block like the majority of them who are just like go gluten and dairy free and you'll be absolutely fine. Like that's all you need to do for PCOS. And I'm like, no, that's not really the case because if you've got like really bad insulin resistance or you have a gut infection or you have chronic stress, yes, those things may be helpful if you eliminate them. But yeah, it just drives me insane. If you, I don't know if you know the, the 
the people that are on about no names here but um <laughs> just like yeah just that's all you need to do go gluten dairy free i'm like no it's not as simple as that sadly Mm-mm. no yeah and then i mean the thing is a lot of people will eliminate these foods are like their trigger foods but they don't work on healing the gut so there's an issue there right they'll reintroduce them and they'll be like oh it's still not working like why am i bloating or blah blah, blah. it's because you didn't heal the gut mm-hmm. you didn't look at you know the underlying factors so 100 percent agree with that good point or they just swap over to junk food versions so they go mm-hmm. for like the soy cheese and all of these like um gluten-free baked goods like cookies and biscuits yep. and bread that's filled with like 20 ingredients it's probably just as bad if not worse than just the original gluten they just fill it with preservatives and sugar and all of these things to make it taste better otherwise it just tastes like cardboard yeah that's another debate like it was funny because i was talking with my friends the other day i ordered the um, beyond meat burger and i actually don't like it and it does you can tell there's a lot of stuff in it mm-hmm. and um for some reason i was like okay i'm gonna order that and we were talking about it with my nutritionist friends and we're like, it would have been actually a better idea to go for like, for instance, grass fed beef burger compared to something that has like 20 ingredients and that's vegan. You know what I mean? So there's kind of like comparison with between those kind of things like, Oh yeah, we should go more plant-based. But if you are choosing something that's like processed and vegan junk food compared to like something that is, you know, like a whole food, but animal based, then if you're an omnivore, obviously, then it's not really helping the situation. You know what I mean? And I definitely <laughs> felt like crap after the Beyond Meat burger. I, I've yet to try it. I don't think it's yeah. like readily available in the UK unless I'm just not looking hard enough, but I don't really want to try it, to be honest. Like I've seen the posts on Instagram where it's like beef burger, 100% beef, and then yeah, Beyond Burger, awesome. it's like a list of my long of all yeah. these weird ingredients. So yeah. I may try it just so I know what, what to expect, but yeah, I'm not a fan and I don't really promote that either. But do you ever see a time and a place for specific diets? So whether that's keto or vegan or macro counting or calorie counting even for a period of time, or do you just, are you just not into those at all? I think there definitely is a time and a place for them. It's more like acutely. Um, and those have usually been studied, like for instance, keto diet, we don't really know the long-term impacts. It's more about like acute and then specific, um, issues like, you know, ADHD or epilepsy and things like that. Um, but usually for long-term it's not sustainable. And a lot of people just, you know, just don't get the results that they want because it's not something that's going to be helpful for them for long periods of time. Uh, but in certain cases, like if you're going through like healing or gut protocol or whatever it is it can be really helpful Um, and then also for like macro counting and things like that I've definitely used that strategically to be like okay am I kind of hitting my targets Um, and even um, tools like um, my I believe it's chronometer which shows like the different micronutrients yeah that can help help you see like oh is my diet like you know a good variety is it am I getting a balanced amount of nutrients things like that Um, and then making sure especially if you're like working out am I getting enough protein and stuff like that that can be really helpful to kind of see like, okay, do I need to tweak things around a bit? But um, for me, I don't really focus that on long-term, um, especially with my clients. We focus more on like finding a personalized diet for you and kind of how to look into intuitive eating, mindful eating, understanding what foods make you feel better, which ones don't. Um, but yeah, it's more of like an acute tool that I believe would be the most helpful specifically um, 
for PCOS because the risk of disordered eating is a lot higher. It's actually been shown to be four times greater among PCOS women compared to controls. So that's why you really need to be careful with too much restriction, specifically over longer periods of time. And the term disorders eating, just for those who aren't aware, do you mean like anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, or all of the above? Yeah, so eating disorders are a bit different from disordered eating. Um, disordered eating is more like unhealthy patterns of eating or like unhealthy relationship with food. Um, but then eating disorders are more like bulimia, orthorexia, things like that, anorexia. But I, through the research that I've done, it has been shown that both are more prevalent in PCOS women. So whether you do get diagnosed with a disorder like bulimia or if you just have unhealthy eating patterns, they are a lot higher in PCOS women than non-PCOS women. And take binge eating, for example. Do you see that being like triggering PCOS or is it more of a result of PCOS? So is it when you have PCOS, you have all of these like appetite dysregulation and blood sugar issues that make you prone to binge eating or is it the binge eating that can mess with hormones, if that makes sense, which is the, or is it just like vice versa? So I would say vice versa. There's a bit of both. So for instance, with the conventional route, usually we're told a lot of women are overweight or obese with PCOS. So it's more of like the focus on dieting and exercising. A lot of women will go to their doctor and be told, you just have to lose weight and then you can come back and see me or whatever. And so the focus is on numbers and the scale. And it creates this vicious kind of cycle on shame and guilt and restriction. And it enhances negative emotions and even trauma and frustration because it's really hard to lose weight with PCOS, as you know, especially when it comes to like insulin resistance and those hormonal imbalances. That's why it's more difficult. So this kind of teaches us to focus on restricting um, and focusing on numbers with kind of not really any strategy around this, because as I mentioned, restriction can be helpful during like acute phases, but you need to have like a plan and a strategy and not just kind of wing it because then it's kind of like never going to end. Right. Um, but the thing is, there are also different processes in the body that can also enhance or trigger emotional eating, disordered eating. So for instance, insulin that can trigger low blood sugar and then lead to strong cravings for carbohydrates because we need to bring it back up again. Um, it can also stimulate appetite as well. Um, when you are craving these carbohydrates, um, your body needs to bring up blood sugar again. So that's when you're reaching for like the carby food, the sugary food. And studies have actually also found that even a single day of overeating or high fat overeating was enough to impair glycemic control and reduce insulin sensitivity in healthy adults. So that shows that even just one day can actually have instantaneous metabolic health consequences, which is interesting. I think that's also one of the factors that contributed to my um, imbalances with blood sugar and insulin because I was doing this binge eating for over a year or two. And obviously that has a huge impact, even if I was binging on healthy foods, um, it's also like too much, right? Like your body just can't handle all that food at once. Um, and then obviously that's going to trigger a lot of insulin. So, but even if it's just like a few days, it has been shown to actually have metabolic consequences. So you're going to see these altered insulin levels and you're going to see this weight gain, this distress around weight gain. Um, you're going to have this dieting cycle that's going to start and promote overeating and dis disinhibition around food. So you're kind of like in this state of autopilot when you are binge eating. 
um, where you literally don't know really what you're doing. You're almost like not aware of it consciously. It's like an automatic response. Um, and then this can lead to increased weight gain that's really stubborn and hard to lose. And then the cycle just repeats again and again. So it's kind of like a vicious cycle. And then another factor that has been shown to be linked with binge eating and PCOS is the high androgens. So it has been shown that high androgens can be causative factors to things like menstrual regularities or an ovulation. And that can be a huge stress, especially if a woman is trying to get pregnant. And these can lead to increased hunger and psychological distress. Um, it can lead to an increase in pregnancy. Um, and it has been shown to be influencing the occurrence of things like bulimic behavior. Um, so it has actually, there is a link between the high androgen levels and stimulating appetite and anxious and depressive states in PCOS. So that's another factor that can actually um, increase the likelihood of disordered eating. So just some psychological and physiological factors. So they definitely feed into each other. It's not really clear about which one started first, but they definitely all do have an impact on disordered eating. Gut issues as well can also like drive that, whether it's candida or SIBO, mm -hmm. sugar cravings tend to be a cause of that as well, a, a result of that as well. And obviously insulin resistance and inflammation, they can all impact that as well. But I remember struggling with binge eating. It was never like really bad, but mine was because I was over-exercising and under-eating. So at the end of the day, I'd fueled on like cereal, like you mentioned, and um, a salad for my pre-workout meal. And then at the end of the day, I was like having bowls of oatmeal or granola and like jars of nut butter because I just could not get enough in. And obviously it was the wrong time of day and I just couldn't stop eating. And that wasn't like happening all the time but is there anything that you recommend in the moment that people can do if they maybe feel like they're gonna binge or they want to prevent that from happening is there any like mindset shifts or anything that they could do to prevent that from happening yeah so for me I tried to kind of overcome it by myself for a long time but when you are in that binge state, it's really difficult to come out of it because um, I remember talking to, I actually sought out help after a while when I just figured that I just couldn't do it by myself anymore. And I was telling my counselor that when you are in the state, like there are so many strategies they tell you, like go journal, go meditate, go call a friend. But like when you want that food, like whether it be a cookie or a cake or whatever it is, because those are usually the triggers, right? Um, you don't want to go journal. You want to eat the, the freaking cake, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for me, um, in the moment, it would be more like there are different strategies, like maybe take a piece of cake and take it to your room and actually eat it. Um, kind of lingering in the kitchen is just like a very bad strategy because then you're going to open the fridge and open the cupboard and just kind of eat out of the jar whereas if you kind of portion it out and tell yourself okay do I really want this food is it going to make me feel better after or not a lot of the time it's not so that decision is up to you like if you kind of know what's going to happen um, but for me the biggest change was the little work that I did every day on myself because it was had nothing to do with the food at the end of the day when we're looking at disordered eating it's very rarely has anything to do with the food it's more like a, a mental emotional different triggers and issues going on so it's really kind of getting back to yourself and working on yourself that you need to you really need to focus on that to be able to find freedom with food 
And so that's a daily practice. Honestly, it's even today, every single day I work on my mindset and then it's kind of creating like a conversation in your head, like asking yourself, like, is this going to be helpful? Is this not? Um, feeling the emotions as well. So like usually there's a trigger. Maybe you're coming home from a stressful day at work. Maybe you're coming home and you have, you know, an unsupportive family or a toxic relationship you're coming home to and that triggers you to go binge on the ice cream, etc. It's really addressing like what are these core underlying issues that are triggering you to do these different to have these different um you know activities that are coming up so sitting with the emotions can feel really really scary at the beginning but then once you realize that it's literally just an emotion like it can't hurt you um it's actually pretty freeing like now when i do have emotions come up um even if i have to cry i have to yell i have to like punch something it actually feels really really good because you're actually addressing what the emotion is instead of burying it and then just like bring all these things that have to come out at once right so sitting with them and addressing them is honestly the biggest work that you can ever do and it's going to take time it's going to be painful but there is no way that you will be able to overcome these disordered eating patterns if you don't focus on like why this is happening again as we focus on the root causes um disordered eating is really a symptom of something that's underneath the surface absolutely and it can be psychological like you mentioned lack of support, stress, frustration, trauma, those types of things. And it also can be physiological, like we've mentioned as well. So gut imbalances, nutrient deficiencies, under under eating in general can also trigger that as well. So it requires a bit of investigation, but I agree, seek help from someone who can help you through that. Because if you're already in a bit of a negative mindset, you don't want to be working for all of these things as well. You can't really see things from an outside perspective, which I think is important too. And with diet and restriction, how do people deal with things like food sensitivities or poor gut health or other health issues at the same time and not being stressed out by having to restrict? So if you're saying that restriction isn't best to eat a varied diet, which we all agree, how does someone then, how can someone deal with other health conditions at the same time? So say they have a terrible gut imbalance and they have like bowel issues how can they manage that without driving themselves crazy yeah so that can be a tough situation especially you have like a lot of different sensitivities come up like for me it would be cyclical like i would have like the top ones come up like eggs dairy gluten so those would kind of be like no out of the picture but then i would have like spinach come up and then like cacao and then like these nuts are different like healthy foods and it would be like driving me crazy because obviously if you're not healing the gut then you're gonna have these different foods that come in and be tagged as like foreign particles and invaders by the immune system. And so then you can create different sensitivities. So this is where working with a practitioner is going to be really helpful because it's going to fast track your results. Because otherwise, if you're just kind of like throwing spaghetti on the wall, this can just lead on for years of kind of restricting certain foods that you think are not helping you and then eating certain foods that you think are helping you, but that may not be. And then we really want to focus on gut healing as much as possible because then we can actually reintroduce a lot of these foods again. Um, So unfortunately, during a certain amount of time, there probably will be more of a need to restrict your diet more because certain foods are not helping your situation while you heal the gut. So while you are, you know, working on the underlying imbalances and working on healing the gut, you might need to take away some of these foods. Um, But then that's where it's really important to work with someone who can actually help you out with finding alternatives to these 
and um, you know, finding different ways that you can incorporate everything that you need without feeling like there are no options. And nowadays it's actually so much easier, thank goodness, because we have all these blogs and these like recipes and these alternative foods and there's literally anything that you can recreate with any recipe, whether you're going paleo, keto, vegan, whatever it is, if you're restricting certain foods, there's always going to be another food that you can use to make certain recipes. So that's what's really helpful now. We have so many options. Um, so it's really looking at, instead of looking at what are the foods that you are restricting, it's looking at what are the foods that you can actually introduce into your diet and include because a lot of the time we just give you this list of um, ingredients that you have to avoid and you're like, oh my God, my life sucks. I can't eat anything anymore. But you also want to look at more of like what are the foods that you can have and what are the foods that are going to be healing for you and focus on kind of like this being a healing stage and it's not forever because if people think that, Oh, this is going to be like this forever, then you're not going to be very motivated and you're not going to stay on track. But unfortunately for the first few weeks or months, usually it's going to be a little bit more restrictive, especially if you have like a lot of gut imbalances, but then after, if you do it properly, then a lot of the time you can reintroduce these foods. I think it gives you more variety as well because you do have to seek out foods maybe you've not tried before different fruits and herbs and spices to make your food taste a little bit different if you're having like just meat and vegetables use some herbs and spices on there they have medicinal benefits but they're also giving you a variety of different nutrients as well and maybe you can go to an ethnic grocers and get things like plantains and yucca and taro that you'd never usually eat and just try and get a wide variety of things as well because the more restrictive your diet is, then the harder it can be to heal event eventually as well. So try and follow the diet as, as closely as possible that's been recommended by your practitioner, but then try and broaden it so that you're not ended up in the same place again, like six months down the line too. And I love the fact that you're emphasizing the gutty healing aspect as well, because that is so common. Like people just cutting things out and then they're not getting better and then they reintroduce it and they feel worse and they're like oh it was that restrictive diet that triggered my intolerances and now I now I'm reacting to nuts because I'm eating almond milk and almond flour every single day so yeah it's a common problem I'm glad that you addressed that as well what about with friends and family so I didn't have this problem my friends and family were really supportive um if I had to turn down invitations to restaurants and birthday parties and things they understood um how would you recommend people talk to their friends and family and just explain maybe if they don't understand what's going on with your health issues or who aren't supportive of your choices yeah so i had a little bit of both like some people would kind of like make fun of me or like not understand. And then I would have other people, obviously, especially in the nutritional world, be like, okay, yeah, I totally understand. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of understanding like what it's your health, it's your body. So it's your choice. So paving your own path is always, it can be a little bit difficult, but remembering like why you're doing this. So being the example of the time, once you start something, like for instance, you're being more healthy, you're exercising more, or you're, you know, going more clean eating or whatever, eating more whole foods, you're taking out the processed packaged foods. A lot of the time people will kind of look and see, oh, what is she doing? Like, this is actually interesting or she's feeling better. She's looking better. So then people will kind of catch on and it will be like a good example for them. Um, so don't forget that you are probably, and you might be an example for someone else because a lot of people are watching, even if you don't know. 
Um, sharing why you're doing this can be really helpful too. If people are like, why are you eating that? Or like, why are you not eating dairy or gluten? And actually sharing like what you're doing, whether it be like your healthcare practitioner told you specifically, like how this is impacting your body can be really helpful. Instead of just being like gluten is bad for you. That doesn't really mean anything. That doesn't really strike a bell with anybody or, you know, they just can't relate to it. Whether Whereas if you talk about like how it actually reacts in the intestines or it shows up at your, as your, you know, acne or whatever it is, then that can actually be a lot more helpful for people to understand, okay, why is she actually doing this? Asking for their support as well. Um, sometimes people will give you their support. Sometimes they won't, but at the end of the day, not everyone will get it. And you have to be okay with that. If you do actually want to improve yourself, then it's all about your journey at the end of the day. Um, but then seeking outside support is going to be really helpful because if you are the only one who's making these changes and nobody else gets it and everyone else is doing like the opposite, uh, it can be really hard to stay on track and feel motivated. So finding people who are actually in the same situation, who are trying to do the same thing, finding a buddy to do it with can be really helpful. So you have that accountability and that support and that understanding so you can talk to somebody with. Um, and then, yeah, things like, providing like for instance if you have a um a potluck to go to or you're going to a party and you're like oh i won't be able to eat anything or whatever bringing your own recipes or making like a really yummy like dish or whatever it is and then people can actually get like excited and intrigued about it and they can actually realize oh actually this can be really delicious or like because i'll make all of these healthy versions of these comfort foods and people actually love it and they won't actually believe that it's actually like gluten-free and whole food and whatever and so a lot of the time people just think like oh yeah this is just like bland boring salads that don't taste like anything and but um, they have no idea that it can actually be really delicious so that can also be a great way kind of sharing what you're doing with others by you know bringing things that you're cooking or different recipes as well but yeah, at the end of the day, it's really going to be about standing up for your health and you will have people that don't get it, but that's okay. And I tend to find the people who do make comments and judge and like um, put what you're eating down and make all of these remarks. They're the ones who are maybe self-conscious about their own health, maybe that they're a little bit jealous that you're doing something and they're intrigued, but they don't want to say anything. So I've seen that to be true as well. And I think social media that's where social media can be great obviously it has its downfalls as well but you can connect with people who are going through similar things like the pcos support groups like your facebook groups amazing and instagram pages you can connect with other people going through similar things and even though they may not be in the same state or country as you you can connect with people all over the world and it makes it feel less isolating because it is such an isolating condition pcos or food restrictions and things like that but the physical symptoms with PCOS can be very like like it can make you lacking self-confidence and can be very isolating like the acne that you had and her shittism her loss how how can someone feel better about the the cells when they're dealing with some of these things because obviously people with digestive issues may be able to hide it or if they've got a skin issue somewhere else on the body, they can cover it up. But if it's on your face and it can be very problematic for you to go out of the house and go to the gym and try to be social if you've got a face full of acne. So how would you recommend someone deals with that and tries to change their mindset around that as well? 
Yeah, so obviously the many different symptoms like acne, hair loss, um, the hirsutism, weight gain, it can impact really negatively on your body image and contribute to these binge eating, binge eating behaviors. Uh, because binge eating or disordered eating usually occurs because we're trying to modulate these negative um, affective states like anxiousness, depression, etc. So it's really trying to fill a void or kind of, um, you know, modulate stress levels and things like that, that we're, tr we're doing that or we're trying to cover something up or we're trying to have comfort. And usually a lot of the time it's obviously people turn to different um, coping mechanisms, but food can be that instant gratification that makes you feel better. But then obviously then it feels worse. And then there are logically high levels of body dissatisfaction and um, just negative self-esteem that comes with the self-appearance and physical characteristics uh, that come with PCOS. So negative emotions are definitely going to be a key driver for this disordered eating and things like that. So that's why it's really going to be important to look at the psychological treatment alongside diet and lifestyle changes, especially if you are dealing with disordered eating or just PCOS in general. Um, because again, as I'm saying, it's not about the food. It's about, even if it's not just like these symptoms that are triggering these emotions, usually we have certain issues or traumas or limiting beliefs or blocks um, from our childhood or our teenager or whatever that just come with us throughout life. And those actually affect um, our body on a physiological level. So that's why it's going to be really important to seek out help. And it's important to realize that you're not supposed to do it all by yourself. Like a lot of us think that, oh, I can just handle it all and I'll, I'll be like the breadwinner in the family and take care of the kids and like kind of be the hero and then just like heal my body. But we all need support. We can't all do it by ourselves. And for a long time, I was kind of like ashamed of reaching out for help as a nutritionist who was binge eating. I was like, what is this? Like, how can I be taken seriously? But then I finally realized like I do need help. So just do it. And it's not something to be ashamed about. It's actually makes you a lot stronger and then when you start to heal you actually appreciate yourself more that you were actually courageous enough to actually look out and you know seek support so finding your root cause is obviously going to be a really important aspect of the healing journey because as i mentioned um the topical treatments the quick fixes never worked for my acne and um, it just made things worse emotionally and physically so being gentle with yourself, taking the baby steps again, because it's a lifelong process. Uh, you can see relief pretty quickly, but um, it can also take some time to also see, you know, differences show up. So finding a support system is going to be really important, as we always already mentioned, whether that's a group, healthcare practitioner, functional doctor, whatever it is. Um, and then seeing that, you know, symptoms are a messenger. So now before I would kind of like get really pissed off, like I wake up in the morning and be like, damn it, there's another pimple. And I would just like hate myself and look at myself in the mirror and be like, why can't you just like get it together? Like, when am I ever going to get over this? But now if I have um, acne flare-ups, I use it as a messenger. So I'm like, okay, what is this trying to tell me? I definitely have not been sleeping or I've been like stressing myself out and my body is like telling me to slow down. So instead of using it as like a burden, now I use it as like almost my body kind of sending me a gentle but irritating message that it needs to, you know, it needs something. It needs like maybe some rest or time off or some fun or play or, you know, I'm just, something is off and it needs to be addressed. So 
in certain circumstances, it is kind of a blessing because, for instance, some people are eating badly and stressed out and not sleeping and nothing is coming up for them as symptoms, but under underlying health issues might be stirring up and that might even result to chronic diseases down the line. Whereas for me, it showed up right away as bad cystic acne. So I was like, okay, I have to take care of this because it's on my face <laughs> and it's pretty obvious. Um, and that can also help me kind of with longevity and with my long-term health because I'm already aware of this. And as soon as something is off, it shows up like right away. So I'm, it is kind of like almost a blessing in disguise if you think about it so that's what I try to do um, instead of just being like oh what the hell did you eat now or like why are you breaking out it's kind of focusing on like okay what is this trying to tell me and I know it can be really difficult to get to this point but realizing that you are so much more than your physical appearance and that takes time and like mindset growth and personal development but that's where the little baby steps with that kind of work makes a huge difference because instead of having toxic thoughts and insulting myself all day. Now I'm kind of like, I talk to myself like my own friend, like I cheer myself on. And if I'm like having a bad day or I did something wrong or I messed up or maybe I overate or I ate something I shouldn't have, it's more of like a forgiving attitude that I have and kind of like, okay, everything will be okay. Like this happened because of this or that we need to address this is a much more, um, kind of productive way of looking at what's happening in your life because you will mess up, but there's no point of, you know, insulting yourself or being like bashing yourself because we already have enough negativity out there. We don't need it from ourselves as well. So again, it's the little mindset work that's really going to add up. And then looking at these symptoms as a messenger while you're working on the root cause and finding that support system. I agree. Yeah. I love that. And I feel the same way. Like my skin is a direct, I know like the menstrual cycle is a report card, but my skin's a report card like instantly. Like if something's off, I've not slept well, I've eaten something that I, I'm reactive to, then it will show up on my face. And definitely with chronic health conditions, um, they may not dis be displaying any symptoms. And it's easy to get annoyed at those people who are treating their body badly. They're drinking every weekend. Maybe you have friends like this who are eating mcdonald's every day and smoking drinking and they have flawless skin how would you switch your mindset around that as well so when you feel like you're doing all the right things and you get frustrated by people who are treating their bodies badly but seem to be in perfect health what are your thoughts yeah i mean specifically for pcos it took me a long time to <laughs> kind of digest that and just accept it for like for me to like i would realize that I, I can't just go out every night and be okay with it. Like I needed to have like a rest night or a rest day or like have time to myself. Like I can't just be go, go, go all the time. Like I need to be able to kind of like be by myself and just chill out. And that took me a long time to realize that that was okay because I thought that I had to be like everybody else or be like, we, cause we do promote that kind of type A go-getter, like never stops, never sleeps, sleep is for the dead, etc. cetera. Um, and I think that's very detrimental because we, A, are not, as humans, we are just not made to function like that. Like we have evolved way too quickly in the past like 100 years with technology and all of this all of these changes um, that our body just can't keep up with and we're just like what is this like we have no idea how to deal with this on a physiological level so that can be very dangerous when it comes to kind of trying to mold yourself into society's perfect person which doesn't exist and just 
will, res will result in sickness, honestly. And that's why we see so much chronic disease now. And, you know, stress being the number one reason people are showing up at the doctor. Um, and so that's why it took me a long time to kind of realize that and respect that I need that. So now I'll be like, okay, baby grandma night, I got to go chill out and I make <laughs> it a joke, but then I'm also like serious. I'm like, there's nothing you can say to me that will make me go out right now. Cause I'm in my bed with my glasses on my blue light <laughs> blocking glasses on with my tea and my book and I'm not going out. So, and now I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. Like that's, I'm standing up for myself and that's what I need. Um, and a lot of other people might not need as much, like you may think that you don't need to be clean eating or sleeping as much or managing your stress because it's not showing up for you. But again, as I mentioned, it might show up later on and it's definitely impacting you in any case. So it's not like we can just, you know, eat poorly, not manage our stress, not sleep, um, you know, not getting any any exercise and not see any consequences because this is going to be detrimental for the body in any case. And then with PCOS, it's realizing that we do need to pay a bit more attention and focus a bit more on our health. So that's just something that comes with having PCOS and actually managing it and reversing the symptoms. It's realizing that you might need to set a bit more boundaries. You might need to be more careful with your sleep and your diet. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can never go out and, you know, have drinks or go have the donut or whatever. It just means that you do need to be a bit more mindful of it. And it might impact you a bit more if you do kind of go over the rails. Like, for instance, if I don't respect my stress, my sleep, my diet, um, over time, it will show up like you as well. It'll show up in your skin. It'll show up on my skin with anxiety, et cetera. And then I'm like, okay, went too far. Got to dial things in. And I know now that I do need certain things. And when I don't get those, then it does show up for me. So it's just something that you need to come to terms with. And it doesn't mean that you have to like have a dreadful life. That means like boring salads and not going out and not having fun. It just means having the boundaries there, respecting them and um, realizing that there needs to be a little bit more effort when it does come to PCOS. Absolutely. And I had a client the other week who was, um, she was doing really well with her protocol and she'd been getting some good results. And then she was asking me at the end of the call, like really nervously, she was like, I'm going to the movies tonight and I really want some popcorn. Can I have some? I'm like, yeah, if you wanted to. She's like, yeah, but is there anything that I could do to kind of support my body, which is amazing. Like you can go ahead and do that, but there are things that you can do to support maybe your absorption of the sugars because you do have to like respect the physiology of your body it's a little bit different to other people's as well so I said maybe the rest of the day um keep your carbohydrates a little bit lower because she was insulin resistant and maybe not having a cheesecake and popcorn and a soda in the same meal as well maybe going for a walk after you've been to the movies because you've been sat down the whole time and for some people that may seem like disordered eating in itself like punishing your body for eating some of these things but i i think the opposite it's like respecting your body and working with your body you're not kind of running for a mile to burn off the chocolate bar that you just ate you understand that you can eat the chocolate bar but it's going to react a little bit differently in your body so there are things that you can do to aid that as well yeah 100% i like that you said that cuz it's kind of like biohacking right yeah it's like understanding how your body works and then 
yeah, just kind of working with that. So for instance, a lot of the time with your example, like if you do strength training before like a more carb heavy meal, that's a great way to kind of enhance the glucose absorption and reduce the insulin spike. Then walking after a meal, that's what I usually recommend. Then when I went to Europe and had like all the gluten and all the food that I'm not <laughs> supposed to, I had my enzymes and probiotics and I actually felt pretty good, honestly. And I literally walked everywhere, which was really helpful yeah. too. So yeah, there are so many things you can do to kind of enjoy those moments, but also make it less of an impact on your body. And I 100% go by that as well. That's kind of how I roll with my lifestyle as well. I mean, if you can make it easier on your body, why wouldn't you? That's true. When people go on holidays as well, they say, I didn't react once to the food that I'm usually reactive to. Um, I feel absolutely fine. My blood sugar's fine. My skin was amazing. Partly it is due to the stress stress reduction (laughs) side of things, but also the sunlight, the walking every day, the exploring, the um like the connection, your family or your friends that you're with as well, that all like plays into that too, because you could be eating the most perfect diet in the world, but if you're locked in your house on your own, you're stressed out your mind eating it, you've just been meal prepping for three hours before, everyone else is out at a restaurant having fun and you're at home eating your salad and chicken, then you probably would see more benefits again this is different for everyone to just go out and eat the meal and enjoy it than to be stressed out and isolated because they've even done studies to show that social isolation is worse for your health than smoking 10 cigarettes per day so if you want to do anything just yeah get out there have fun don't put your life on hold because you have a health condition as well yeah and we're social beings right we're supposed to be with other people and we crave that connection And yeah, every time that I've done that, like I've had my healthy dish and then I've always, my body has been pulled to the fridge. Like what else can we have to kind of fill up this void that you're feeling, right? Because you're not going to feel very good if you're just isolating yourself. And it's only in those moments where I feel isolated or something is coming up for me, then you do want something else to kind of fill that up, right? That's so true. And I'm a fan of grandma life myself. So (laughs) even after this call, I'm sitting down the laptop I've got my blue blockers on already. (laughs) So I'm going to be brewing my tea and then winding down for the evening. It's only like 7pm here. So a little bit early, (laughs) but yeah, it's my, my early night today. And I love some of the things that you mentioned as well. So stress management techniques. Do you have any favorite stress management techniques that you like to enjoy or, or recommend to others? There's so many. Um, honestly, I was so resistant to meditation because I am this type A go-getter, go, 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 can't stop. Like <laughs> when it's quiet, I'm like, oh my God, why is it quiet? Like yeah. I can't stop and do nothing. So meditation was like so painful for me at the beginning, but now I'm like, I love it. And it has made so much of a difference for me. And it's kind of a routine that it's non-negotiable. So I don't care if I don't feel like meditating, I will go in my bed and just lie there and meditate and I need it. Like I definitely need to just shut off my brain because it's just wiring all the time, like a crazy person. So meditation, I believe, doesn't have to be like in the lotus position in the middle of a field with a Buddhist monk. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. I literally do it in my bed with like either a YouTube video or one of those apps, or I'll just literally focus on my breathing. Five, ten, fifteen minutes. That's all you really need. And it's just to kind of shut off those thoughts that keep ruminating in your mind and be more conscious and present. And that's the main focus of meditation, which is something that we don't really do during the day. So for instance, a lot of us are just stressed out throughout the day. If you can get in those 10 minutes of meditation, that's fantastic. Honestly, that's 
that's a great place to start. So definitely meditation. Then I have something that I like to use with my clients called the joy menu. So having like a list of things that bring you joy that are, you know, like playful or fun or creative and where you feel like in times of stress or anxiousness or, you know, where you're feeling off or even during your self-care time, which I believe should be daily practice, you go to that list and you look at like, what would you want to do that, you know, in that moment? And so that's a great time to do things like, I don't know, a great workout class that you like or going out for a walk or drawing, painting, singing, like whatever it is, it could be anything. Um, something that is easy to do obviously and that's accessible and that brings you joy and I think that's really important because a lot of us just don't play and have fun anymore and we think that's just for kids but it's definitely not and we are meant to be here to have fun on this planet we're not meant here to just suffer and be moody and depressed like that's not the reason that we're here for so I think that's important to kind of remember that um, and then changing your environment is one of the biggest things. Like if you are stuck in your office or at home, you're working, you're isolated, you're feeling antsy, you're you know not feeling good, then just literally physically changing where you are, whether that be going to a different room, go outside, go for a walk, call a friend, meet up somewhere. It literally changes so much um, to just get out of that state because you're also changing the state in your mind by changing the physical environment. So obviously we need to, we are able to kind of change that's a whole other topic about kind of like the mindset with our external factors, but you can also do the opposite. Like if you're feeling in an anxious state in a specific place, just get out of that room. And that can also be really helpful. Love those tips. I've never heard of the, what's the menu one called again? Joy menu. Joy menu. Love that one. And the meditation, I'm exactly the same, but yeah. I stick to it my 10 minutes every morning. And then I have my matcha as a reward right afterwards, which nice. is kind of motivating me to do that as well. And, you're right, the people with the monkey minds, the who never stop, the type A, they're usually the people who benefit most from the meditation. So it's probably going to be the hardest to get started with, but these are the people who usually benefit the most. And remember, your mind's like a muscle. So you can't expect to go to the gym and like lift really heavy weights and be fine. You have to train it and do it consistently. And I use um, a combination of apps and YouTube as well. But one that I've really been enjoying is the Insight Timer app. And, I love that one. Yeah, particularly yeah. Sarah Blondin. I don't know if you've heard of her work before. I absolutely love no. her stuff. So I'll link it in the show notes for everyone listening. But you can. she also has a podcast called Live Awake. And it's like yeah. 10 minutes. It's not a guided meditation. It's kind of more of an inspirational talk. Um, and it's absolutely amazing yeah so I love her work because some people's voice like drives me insane and yeah. it makes me more stressed listening but you gotta yeah. find a good voice I know exactly so I really love her work and again I'll, I'll link it in the show notes oh. for everyone listening um do you think that we can heal from physical conditions or symptoms by mindset alone in some cases I've heard like people you know, like the books Radical Remission and the Heal documentary. Obviously, diet and lifestyle can be helpful, but do you think that we could be eating a standard diet and if we just do the mindset work, we can overcome it? I know this is a bit of a tricky question, that's but what a, are your thoughts? That's a tricky one, but I don't know if you're familiar with Joe Dispenza. Mm -hmm. He yeah. talks a lot about this, yeah. and his story is incredible from overcoming like his health issues that were basically, he was told he would never be able to walk again. And now he's clearly walking and running. Yeah. But um, I mean, to a certain extent, 
I think that it all, again, as a holistic nutritionist, it all plays into part. Like you can't just be eating clean and stressed out and hating your work and, you know, not having a fulfilled relationship, et cetera. Um, but I, I think it all does play a big part. But mindset, I realized for my life and just looking around me and also reading a ton of books on this is a huge, huge uh, factor in it. It might be one of the biggest factors, um, but I don't really have the answer to that. But it's definitely something that you can't overlook because you could be doing everything right. But if you are literally living in toxicity, then it does translate into your body. Like one of the things Joe Dispenza talks about is that we are the only animals that can put ourselves into stress with just thought alone, which is quite crazy when you think about it. You can make yourself thick thick <laughs> sick <laughs> toxic thoughts. You can make yourself thick as well. <laughs> <laughs> but literally just from thinking toxic thoughts, you can make yourself thick. Thick. <laughs> you can make yourself sick. So it does um, you know, create different chemical in the body and affect your neurotransmitters, etc. So there is a lot of um, stuff that he talks about. I definitely encourage you to look at his books if you mm. want to like learn a bit more about that because he goes into really real depth about it. It gets really scientific. Um, but I think that no question, you have to work on the mindset if you want to heal from anything and whether you want to, you know, get healthier, reverse your PCS symptoms, uh, make more money, be more fulfilled, have a better relationship. It's all about mindset work and it is the hardest work you will ever do, to be honest. It's so much harder than like meal prepping or going out for a run, but it is the most rewarding work that you will ever do and it will make the biggest impact, not just today because it's like daily work, but it will literally impact the rest of your life. Definitely. And I always say this, like, People usually start with the diet and the lifestyle. It's usually the mindset and the emotional thing that they leave to the last. But then that's usually the, the bit that gives them the most change and the most value. So why not start there? Like do it all together, start with the mindset, and then you may not need to switch your diet so much or take all of these crazy supplements if you just work on the limiting beliefs, the mindset, the emotions, the traumas, because you're never going to fully overcome your symptoms if you've got kind of a, a hidden trauma or something that you're holding on to um for the past 10 years that's just a fact really um fact of life and apart from Joe Dispenza are there any other people that you look up to that you're obsessed with the work of so many but there was also I watched recently I really like Tony Robbins he has mm -hmm. a documentary on Netflix called I'm not your guru yep. and a, a good example of this is this girl was talking about um she stood up about an issue she was having with her diet and she was saying like I need to eat cleaner and he literally started asking questions like literally switching to whose glove do you crave the most and it was her dad's and they started to talk about how you know he was going through drug abuse and that they weren't really talking and that this literally all of this food you know issues these stemmed from the issues with her father so it had nothing to do with the food and it was just crazy how he literally went to the bottom and the root triggers like within five minutes and she was like crying and she was calling him and then their whole relationship changed and obviously the the eating patterns probably you know change as a result but it's interesting because we have all these symptoms that come up and we think that it's like oh it's the food or I'm not restricting enough or I'm not I don't have enough motivation or things like that, but it's usually because of underlying issues that we don't think about or these blocks or living beliefs or traumas that we have living, uh, growing up. And so that was really interesting and it definitely comes up. I mean, it's never, as I mentioned about the food. So he's great. I also love Louise Hay. Um, she has 
Uh, I think it's, it's called You Can Heal Your Life, something like that, her book. Yeah. Um, Joe Dispenza, all of his videos, all of his books, <laughs> I'm obsessed with. Um, yeah, those are probably my top three, but I'm literally always looking at more personal development books and the podcast, everything I can get my hands on because it's a never ending work that you are doing and it's never ending learning as well. Sure is. And is the one book or one video that you've watched that's changed your life? So would it be the Joe Dispenza or the Tony Robbins documentaries, the one thing that you can recommend to people to go out and watch? Honestly, the first thing that literally made a huge change for me and that kind of like had a huge impact was You Are a Badass by Joe um, Jen Sincero. Yeah. Have you Love heard that. her? Yes, yeah. love it. And the other one, the You're a Badass at Making Money. That's like, that oh my God, yeah. both of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I still reread them all the time because, you know, you can still revert back to the old patterns of beliefs. Yeah. You have to remind yourself. But that was the first one that opened my eyes to this whole mindset, personal development world. And she's just awesome because she makes it very funny and relatable and easy to read. And it's not like very woo-woo out there stuff. So I would highly recommend if you're just getting started on this, definitely grab her book because it was, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely the catalyst. Yeah. And I've listened to the audio on Audible, so the audio book version, and she's narrating it and she's so funny. So I just oh, love really? her work as well. Yeah. So good. And I didn't think that she'd be able to top the Euro Badass, but she like, it's even better. I think the the one yeah. about the business but obviously yeah. that might not be suitable for everyone so definitely go out but and honestly it doesn't just you don't have to be a business owner to true. benefit from yeah, that book so, that is true yeah, honestly i do like the second one more but the first one obviously was the first one that i read mm-hmm. and um that really kind of got me onto this path yeah and on the subject of money all right like i'm i'm focusing it more for business wise but I think finances and money can be a big block for people as well with the health. Do you agree? Like people think that healthy eating has to be really expensive. You have to buy everything organic. You have to buy all of these tests and fancy supplements and creams. What what do you think about that? Yeah, I think it can also be kind of an excuse not to do the work and get into it. You know, like, oh, yeah, it's too expensive. I can't do it. Instead of looking into, like, how can I make this work? That's also another question that a lot of coaches talk about. It's instead of saying, like, I can't afford this, it's saying, how can I afford this? So either, you know, cutting your expenses. um, A lot of people are going out for coffee every day. Maybe taking that away, like, um, you know, taking little things that you don't really need. Um, to focus on like, what do you really want to accomplish in your life? So, you know, cutting down on expenses, um, maybe seeing if you can make a bit more money in certain areas, even like selling stuff. Like there's so many ways you can make money and it's also being open to different ways to make money because if you are literally just saying already, like you're closed off, there's no way I can do this, then you will not be getting any answers as to how you can do it. And you'll just be keep repeating the vicious cycle so 100 percent, it's true that unfortunately we live in a an era where most healthy foods are more expensive than the processed fake foods unfortunately but there are ways to reduce your costs um and then there are also ways that you can kind of cut down your expenses and make it work for you and if it is a priority in your life there are definitely ways that you can make it work especially in places like the U- uh, the u.s as well like we have the national health service but you it may be like more of an investment to buy some of the organic food and supplements rather than waiting until something serious happens down the line with a chronic illness and then think of all the money you have to all the money and the time that you have to 
spend at that point of life as well so yes it's a little bit more to buy the organic apples and the organic kale and maybe a multivitamin like every month but in the long run like how much is that going to save you with your health so yeah just putting things into perspective i think it's really important yeah it's, it's like the, that quote that your health is an investment it's not an expense yes and the other one i'd rather pay the farm now than the farmer later the pharmacist later yeah exactly <laughs> i screwed that one up <laughs> is there anything that you're into lately so on the subject of pcos or health or completely random um I mean, I'm always obsessed with personal development, like all the time. So I don't think it's like a trend. <laughs> <It's just laughs> um, but I did sway a little bit away from herbs for a little bit. Uh, but now I'm getting back into it again. So like, I love herbs and making like concoctions and tinctures and herbal teas and all of that. And um, I used it at the beginning of my PCOS journey. And it was so, so helpful, especially for kind of like regulating my period and helping with my digestion. Um, but then I kind of moved away from that when I went to work at a supplement store. So obviously I had so many, so much access to all of these supplements. Um, but now I'm realizing that, yeah, like my favorite um, remedies are herbal remedies and trying to get back into that again. And that was going to be my next question. Is there a herb, a nutrient or a supplement that you just couldn't live without? Um, I would say I do have a few that I'm always taking, like magnesium, I could not live without. I used to have intense muscle cramps every single day until I started taking magnesium. Um, some herbs, I really love adaptogens because I am a stressed out person. So I'm either always taking like a Nervine tonic or an adaptogen and I'm rotating them like holy basil, ashwagandha, um, things like that. So yeah, I would say like magnesium, definitely number one. And then um, I do love my herbs that are helpful for like the nervous system and calming me down. Me too. And I'm going to catch you on your, um, your descriptions there. You're not a stressed out person. You may be stressed currently, but don't tell that yourself that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got you. Very well done. Yeah. So what you constantly telling yourself, like I'm, I'm overweight, I'm not worth it. I'm stressed. I'm always late. Um, I'm always going to have acne. That's just going to continue. So just on the same yeah. subject. You can't um, meet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and final question is, where can people find more about you online? So I am very active like you on Instagram. So I will send you my links because my name um, is a little bit difficult. But, <laughs> um, but I'm on Instagram. I have a Facebook group, uh, PCOS Holistic Support, where um, me and my partner are kind of helping with you know questions and discussions and trainings and all of that so it's a great place to learn and support one another and then I also have my website with all of my programs and my services and my blog and my podcast on there so you can check all of that out on my website I'll send you all the links so that you guys can check it out uh, but yeah if you're looking for more support definitely come join the Facebook group it's a great positive community where we're always learning so much about holistic remedies and really how to manage PCOS in a natural way yeah it really is great and there's a lot of interaction communication you can probably search the the threads and the subjects and you're going to find a ton of information on there as well so even i'm a member of that group because i just find it so helpful and seeing people support each other it's just amazing to see and i'll definitely include all of the links in the show notes as well so laurence thank you so much for your time this has been so fun and i'm happy to have you back on in the future because i'm sure that there's so much more that we can talk about on the subject of pcos i'm sure as well and thank you so much for having me 
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. If you like this episode, please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances. As a massive thank you gift, I'll send you a free guide, Six Steps to Hormonal Harmony. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website, vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.